You're listening to the Slow Ride podcast. Likes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. The Slow Ride and on Twitter at the Slow Ride Pod. Enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to the 110th episode of the Slow Ride Podcast. Uh, this is Tim, and I am in North Carolina, but without a doubt, I'm proud to say I'm from Orlando, Florida. Hey, I'm Matt. I'm in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I've never been to Orlando, but I hear it's a great place. Uh, this is Spencer Howe in Boston. Uh, I have also never been anywhere in Florida, but Tim tells me it's great. You know, Spencer, I after Little Guy's lead in there, I was a little concerned on how you were going to pull that one off and still sound uh, diplomatic mm. in the uh, situation yeah. that's, that's happened uh, just a, a mile or two from uh, my house with my wife. But here we are, and then, you know, two days in a row of uh, horrible news in the Orlando area. So that being said, we don't need to drag it out because it's on all of our minds, but um, tough time for yeah. us in O-Town. Absolutely. But... Little guy, uh, today I had the privilege of uh, traveling through uh, Charlotte, North Carolina into Greensboro. Um, there's a really cool store here called Revolution Cycles. Uh, it's one of these classic stores, definitely a top 10, 15 store that I've come across. Um, it's got the beer bar inside the store, really great oh, uh, really? field. Uh, Emma Goldman quotes on the wall. There's a giant, like, this This machine kills fascists <laughs> chalkboard. Like, this is the... Uh, the real revolution cycles because that name is used all over and yeah, i really feel places. that there's probably a lot of uh things being uh plotted out of the store great store um, watts dixon is the owner definitely check that out another store in greensboro that i instantly Wait. thought of you did you yes did you get let into the back room at uh revolution cycles no or were you i just didn't. you know got to see the facade I got to see the facade in the service area. So do I look like a narc? <laughs> you do sort of look like a narc. The, the, that store is really awesome. Definitely a must visit um, in Greensboro. Again, that's Revolution Cycles. Another store in Greensboro that has um, been around for a while. It's definitely more museum, uh, more of a museum uh, in their collection of classic road bikes, steel road bikes. We're talking Dave Moulton's. Um, a lot of Mozzies uh, themselves, uh, Olmos, an entire wall of Colnagos, and that's Cycles de Oro, also north of Greensboro. Highly recommend that store. And little guy, you yeah. would be in heaven in that place. It sounds like it. And it. And I saw, so I pulled up their website quick, and I saw that the classic Rendezvous uh, weekend was this last weekend. So you just missed... A full weekend of hanging out with dudes 50-plus in wool jerseys and <laughs> bikes made pre-1983. I feel like Classic Rendezvous has a pre-1983 thing, or Keepers of the Flame, so they say. If no one's ever gone to the Classic Rendezvous website, uh, you really should. Ooh. Man, if you're a bike nerd, it's it's Tim, heaven on earth. You can go Tim look at some Dave Moulton's. You can actually see pictures this... of my old Dave Moulton. Greensboro is batting above its weight in high quality yeah. bike shops. I got I got to tell you that this fantastic. Every store I've been into is great. Quill stems, like so many quill stems, they're beautiful. Tim, if you yeah. want to go to the uh, to the bike rendezvous next year, just let me know. I will build up the Zeus again and let you ride it for the weekend, but only if you go to the classic rendezvous. Do I need to grow a beard to be at the rendezvous? I'm not sure that you can. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd say yeah. God, see, I'm set already. So if you, all right, everybody, podcast listeners, I'm gonna put a link up later. But if you go to the Classic Rendezvous page, you go to the USA section, you go to Dave Moulton, and you scroll down, and it says top of the line Dave Moulton Special Professional Road, and there's 27 pictures, and that's my former bike. I really miss it now. I hadn't thought about it in a long time. It's so much nicer oh, than anything I've at, ever owned. They had a Panasonic road bike, like mint, up on the wall. 
Oh, it made me think of the Panasonic track bike. I'm going to have to go find a Panasonic track bike on eBay again. So start sending those links to at the slow ride pod on Twitter where we have over 1200 followers now because what's old is cool and new again. And we are, we're on top of the curve. Like we're bringing Tim, back fashion. Tim, if, you need, are down. if you need an NJS track frame, I've actually got one for sale right now <laughs> that you can buy. It is only oh, a little I? bit beat to hell. But, in, I mean, it's NJS, so it'll last forever. The Bridgestone, yeah, it's on the chopping block. It's got to go. I got to make room in the basement. So I I think we bring back track bike, guys. Or, like, yeah. cool uh, down-tube shifter bikes. It's time to save the track bike? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. it's. You know, yeah. we've already beaten to death pro road racing. Um, we're uh-huh. about to beat to death gravel racing um, in a little uh-huh. bit here. Yeah. Fat bike racing never took off, so I think we need to save track bikes. And yeah, we, we've never we're not talking we're, we're not talking 2004 Pista concept track bikes. We're talking beautiful steel machines. Mm-hmm. Um, little guy, I, I took a lot of pictures, and I thought oh, of you yeah. the entire moment I walked in the store. Now I would text them to you, but I don't know if your phone can accept picture messages. Uh, only occasionally on special occasions. <laughs> Uh, holidays, bank holidays, um, things like that. Boxing Day. No, I, for some reason it can't half the time. You should email them to me. <laughs> I can accept emails any See, time that, of day. That would require more work. Okay. Well, yeah. well, let's do this after the podcast. I know that right now I'm just I'm looking at a photo gallery of my former bike, which is pretty cool because you don't often get to have a photo galleries of your former bike. Yeah, you had yeah. it for many, many, many years, and I, I've only seen it in person like once, maybe twice, yeah. because it never came out, because no, it didn't fit I, you, you couldn't ride it, and you didn't want to no. damage it. <laughs> no, I was so afraid I would hurt it, because it was so perfect. It was a 1983, and it was so perfect, and I, what did I, I rode it maybe like eight times, and I did actually <laughs> break the seat binder bolt off in it, and just, oh. it just freaked me out, but uh, yeah. Were you able bike. to salvage it after that happened? Yeah, I was able to get it out with a, with a small scrape. It was okay. <laughs> it survived. Supposedly, so the guy who bought it from me gave it to Dave Moulton. Hmm. Like, and, and had it, so the guy, so I had it, Spencer, you saw it once. It was like a nine and yeah. a half out of ten. Oh, yeah. This guy yeah. took it, and he couldn't deal with the fact that it, it had, like, it had it had tires that he didn't like on it. He stripped the whole bike down. And he rebuilt, he rebuilt the wheels. So the wheels, when I had them, were uh, Matrix rims, you know, like the old Trek brand, Matrix rims. Yep. To Campy Super Record. every Full Super Record, right? This yep. dude was not okay with the Matrix rims. Not cool. <laughs> he, he took it from me. He took it completely apart, cleaned it, put it back together, and rebuilt it with Ambrosia rims. Which I was just going to say, if he didn't go yeah. Ambrosia... <laughs> he went Ambrosia, and it's got some like nice challenge uh, tires on it, and which like I totally yeah, understand, best, but, but like know. the Ambrosia rims he put on it look look like aesthetically they're identical to the same like hard anodized <laughs> uh-huh. Matrix rims that were on there, and the tires while the tires on there now are challenge tires, they're probably about they look aesthetically like gum wall black yeah. gum wall side tires to the like yeah. Avocet tires I had on it. It looks exactly the same, but this guy went to insane lengths, and I love him for it. I'm so glad. I always want to sell bikes to people that are crazy. He sent me a hard shell case from California. That's some dedication. A, this, yeah, this is... a hard shell case to, for me to pack the bike because he did not want to just go into a bike box. This was like yeah. the dream bike purchase. You know, one of the, the, the things I miss the most about where I'm in Orlando is a quality bike swap. And we've talked about it many times, but maybe the internet is the salvation for that. But to really see these types of events where you get to see the different characters that love the, the idea of riding bikes and the enthusiast that also, because we all have our reason, right? Like this is little guys like dream bike now. So now he's going to start this quest to find it. And it'd be so much cooler to stumble upon a bike like this rather than uh, (laughs) the internet. But no, it's true. I mean, I sort of stumbled on it with a nerdy collector. So now, that's how I got it. So, yeah. Totally. We talked last week about uh, steel bikes and different uh, and handmade bikes with a superstar and new podcast favorite professional cyclist in the European Peloton, Dan Craven. Um, record number of listeners. We'd like to thank everybody that came over. And I'm sure that uh, if you've made it this far, the sophomore slump is not going to happen. Uh, we are... <sighs> 
We're welcoming you to the uh, Slow Ride Podcast family. You can always email us at theslowridepodcast at gmail.com. Um, we got several um, tweets throughout, and here's just a, a Neil Turner tweets us. Great interview um, from Dan from Nam. Now I'm following him on Twitter and Strava. Now my favorite Namibian cyclist. You're welcome, Dan. See what we're doing to Very your nice. career here? Yeah. Um, Who do you think his previous <laughs> favorite Namibian cyclist was? Um, Who do you think got bumped from that? <laughs> Steve. I mean, not, no offense to all Steve. the Namibian yeah. cyclists out there, but, you know. Like, <laughs> uh, but we, uh, JJ, uh, or Brightlighter1, says, episode 109 of the Slow Ride is a five-star podcast. Dan from Nam is hilarious. Got to get me a Cycling Academy Canadian National Chip, uh, Championship kit. Solid gold. Uh, thanks, JJ. And then Stephanie B., a longtime listener, she said, hey, I love the pig backstory about uh, um, uh, the – the the pig race where the yeah. top yeah. Britannia guy gets it. And uh, she said she loves the story, but she was a little disappointed there wasn't a selfie on the rocky steps with the piglet. Uh, maybe next time. Yeah. And Ryan yeah. Martin. Surprisingly, he doesn't travel internationally with a baby pig. And Ryan Martin tweets us, uh, have a new favorite cyclist. And uh, so there you go, Dan from Ram and all of our other listeners. So um reach out to george hincappy for us we can do a lot for your career george also dan martin uh, straight off a quality third place finish at the dauphine um libre in uh in france and uh you are know you lots sure? of are you sure it's not daphne liberace i'm pretty sure because we got a uh, tweet it's from dolphin and pelizote fan of the podcast grand fondo new york so he tweeted us with huh. a pronunciation guide so uh, great stuff well, he would definitely say it, Liberace. I think maybe his account's been hacked. <laughs> well, if we're on the subject of the Dauphine, should we have a brief discussion? Do you guys enjoy this race? You watch any of this race? You you excited? You have tour fever? I do not have tour fever. I watched zero of the race, but I will say that the tour of Switzerland is uh, floating my boat a little bit more. But what did you learn about the Criterium du Dauphine? Little guy. I learned that all the regular guys are fast, and Aru is kind of fast, maybe not fast, and Thibaut Pino is kind of fast, maybe fast, not sure, like a little questionable. I don't know. You know what? Like everyone's I, firing, and and yeah, think Martin. Here's here's the important thing to take away from from the Dauphiné. Um, it's not to look at the top five because that's who you expect yeah. to be there, pretty much. It's to look at about fifth or sixth or so down to about oh 15th or so because let's say 16th just for good measure okay to 16th yeah, yeah. Sixth to 16th so Tebow pino from and 16th from 6th to 16th those are the guys that are actually gonna perform at the tour yeah There's... like those are the those are the sleeper picks those are the ones you want to yeah. hunt out and sketch out on your uh, preliminary velo games and your velo games that's true that's true that, certain... everyone was fast who we expected to be fast right are you really? are, were you guys surprised by bardet's strong finish in second place uh i was no. not he lost a little time early on um that day bossenhogen won he fell i think or maybe the day before but he put in a good move to bridge that pinot group you know so he i got didn't... a little leeway because contador and Froome are like Locking eyes like star-crossed lovers. Like, they can't stop looking at each other. So I didn't watch any of it. Um, okay. So I'm only going through what I saw on Doug Report and, uh, you know, various other cycling websites. Did How did uh, Tekle Hymanot do with the polka dot? I know he won. Is he? Do you think he's got a serious chance at the Tour for winning the uh, Climbers jersey? I don't know. It's hard to say. You the know, Climbers jersey at the Tour, I feel like, is... It's such a wild card of an event because it could more be of a Chris Froome shoot. could win yeah. it, right? Because yeah. he's up there every day. But also, if the breakaways get some room, then yeah, he's got a chance, right? Yeah. But let's say Dimension Data did crush it: two stage wins and a polka dot jersey. It's pretty That's good. Yeah. Not bad. You know who I was? I was impressed with. Speaking of Dimension Data, but not actually speaking of Dimension Data, was their former rider <laughs> who moved over to oh, yeah. Lamprey. Mendez finished, I believe, in eighth place. Yeah, uh, totally. He's, he's in definitely, definitely going to be on my Vela Games team. I'm giving you that right now. So Ooh, now you know. Sneak he peek. will be I'm start writing notes on here. my let me, team. Yeah, let me uh, – hold on, Spencer. i got to get a piece of paper. See, um, little guy, uh, I don't Spencer, you did you see any good 
Little guy, in, unre- in unrelated news, I don't know if I told you guys, but I've become a really, really big fan of Luis Mentes. He's my favorite racer. I think he's going to win the tour. By far my favorite. So I'm going to go yeah, all but... in. I'm going to get a Luis Mentes uh, jersey. I'm all mm-hmm. about him. By far my favorite. So I wish him nothing but the best, and nothing's going to oh, happen to man. him in the uh, in the tour. Now you That's can't mean. force the super rookie curse. I just forced the curse. I just I'm pretty sure I'm your new uh, the new yeah, form of voodoo the, is what I just the, did. The curse knows when you're being disingenuous. <laughs> yeah, you have to really it's like, like Santa somebody. Claus. Yeah. All right, all right. So. Daphne happened. Um, the other race going on. The reason I actually like this race a little bit more is because it is a Velon race. And it is the Tour de Switzerland um, <laughs> where we're getting all kinds of good stuff. And it also features fr- uh, the podcast's favorite racer and the challenger of the yet-to-be-had arm wrestling match with a little guy, TJ Van Garderen. And, of course, we're talking mm-hmm. about Tour of Switzerland where Peter Sagan threw down for a stage win. Yeah, you know that was good. You, you know what I like about the Tour de Suisse is the weather always sucks. Like it almost always sucks. Like there's a, at least one day that's like terrible, and I feel like it's character building for the guys who go there. Like they need <laughs> to go there. You know? Do you think that's why they sent TJ there and they sent Port to the Dauphine? I think so. I think there is something to that. Like toughen him up a little yeah. bit. We I all know that. that the invite was there in Richmond for him to come arm wrestle you, and he didn't. He didn't show up. So they knew. They knew then. They probably penciled in the, the Tour de Suisse on his calendar right that day, and we're like, "Yeah, he he doesn't have it. We're gonna have to up his grit a little bit," you know. I think the I, only reason like that, that little guy likes this race is because Albacini gets to do well. Yeah, like, like, I do <laughs> like any race where Albacini shows up, and he he kind of only races in his own country. Other than when he podiumed at Liege Bastogne Liege this year, but yeah, you know any any race where where he's going to be at the top. But I mean, I think that T.J. Van Garner he's got a good shot. I mean, he's definitely you know he he considers himself a four star favorite going into the wow. tour. So this is going to be the display. But as I was getting at I mean, earlier, I do like that this is a Velon race in that they're at least experimenting with getting us more data. Um, of 11 riders yeah. each stage. So you can see heart rates. You can see all different kinds of things. It's just a matter of time before the cameras come in. Um, I listened well, to a really you... good... Go ahead. Have you downloaded the Velon app? No. Is there an app? Yeah, there's an iPhone app. Oh, you can uh, you can get all this rider data right on your phone. It's, it's pretty cool. Well, see. I like that they're trying to mix things up a little bit. I listened to a uh, um, an interview on the Telegraph Cycling podcast, which... As you guys know, I'm a huge fan of, and it's not really competition because they're actually highbrow with some really good access. Um, it's by far the best produced podcast, and they had an interview with the CEO of Velon um, talking about what their mission is and kind of the whole uh, construction of what they're trying to do as an organization. So I really like uh, uh, like what they're where they're going with it. It's amazing Don't what worry. teams are. I'll go back and it. edit out all the stuff where you said they were the best produced. Uh... Cycling podcast out there. I'm well. the current producer of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I didn't mean best produced. I meant most access because our access may be a UCI uh, 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 press pass every now and then, but that's pretty much it. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. Well, I'm I'm looking at the the Velon app on my phone right now. It's pretty slick. It looks like they actually spent some time on it, and it's not just thrown together like I don't know USA Cycling's. Um, are you getting but, good data? Like, who are the are the cool riders, or is it like pack fodder? Well, you know the Vela Vela Games teams are like eleven of the uh, however many there are left in the World Tour. Yeah. 17 teams so it's but i didn't know if they were like they're giving you data from uh you know some guy who gets dropped right away you're getting some like talansky numbers right. <laughs> you'll, you'll have to download it uh to right. your, so your flip just... phone um so most exciting for me about the uh tour de swiss obviously is peter sagan crushing it like world champ style speaking of curses there's no curse there um, that dude has been maybe winning easier than he has been for the last couple of years. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a pressure relief for him. For most people, it's more pressure. I think he had more pressure last year than he does post. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And it was great. 
I mean, I think part of the um, evidence, I guess, that he's got no pressure on him, which is pretty maybe because his team is folding. Like he's just like whatever. But he's uh, he signed up for the Olympics in the mountain bike. Yeah. Like yeah. instead of road, like that's just a total no shits given move. Like right. Well, because he like, has this ever all. happened before. There's no, no way he has a chance to even win. That's no. what you said. And that, did that did that guy from Cannondale get in too? There's a a guy on the Cannondale team who's like Lat Latvian. I think he was trying to get a, a same thing at like dispensation now, or whatever. To, to... Do you think hmm. that is Sagan doing this so like his brother can go to the Olympics on the roadside? Is that is that like the idea you think so that they can just dominate the Olympic Village? The, the, the Sagan, <laughs> the Sagan brothers, like just stay, uh, ladies. Oh, do you think it's to, like to get his brother laid? Because you always hear about how there's so much sex at the Olympic Villages, and that way he can bring his brother to the Olympics, and he can finally like get his brother laid. Yeah, like you know, a really good brother it's taking his younger nice brother move. to college, taking like, hey, come to the dorms. I just, I just don't know if, uh, I don't know, man. This this one's gonna be tough. Like. Why would he do this? Like the only reason has to be to get his brother in and get like some kind of Olympic bonus. Like I don't, I don't know what it Why is. Would... But well, I mean, if he... so his statement is like the road race isn't good for him. It's too hilly. Yeah. You know, you've got you've got guys like T.J. Van Garderen, enemy of the <laughs> podcast, saying that it's a good race for him. But he's not going because he's afraid of. Well, Zika. he's not going because because of Zika. Um, which you know is actually like the one time I kind of I kind of can feel. I could feel his thing because his wife's pregnant, and, and I can understand he doesn't want to get yeah. have his kid at yeah. Zika. So for once, I, I actually like okay, TJ, I understand that makes sense. Yeah, that's, but, a, that's yeah. a pretty reasonable excuse. That's I'll like a totally that. legit reason to not but go somewhere, do something. I don't but know s- that you can totally write off Sagan in the mountain bike race. Like I don't think he's got a shot to win. But I think he'll do better okay. than you're giving him credit. For. He will not get in the top fifteen. Yeah, I'm kind of with I'm kind of with you. I, I want to believe for Spencer. him to be in the top twenty five. How big gotta, is that field, Tim? I think it's like fifty. I bet it's big. Because there's a lot of countries. Like every country gets one as long as they have some kind of UCI point. And you know you've got what five Swiss guys that are all ranked in the top nine in the world. <laughs> the four yeah. French guys that are all I don't know it's going to be hard press I think I the know. US only gets one or two spots yeah and yeah. you're staged by I, your so... own points like yeah, he's I bet the you, I'll, I'll go out there right now I'll say I bet he beats all the Americans oh man uh, and I was accused of being I, the unpatriotic one a couple weeks ago. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that uh, there is one American uh, that will be uh, they'll be up there. Um, I got I to okay. figure out who it is. Yeah, so t- I, Spencer, I don't know if you actually watched taken Tim's advice and watched some of these Red Bull like highlights from these uh, World Cup mountain bike events. Yeah, but I actually I actually I, actually d- I did the other day. You watched okay. So I finally got around to doing it because I usually don't believe anything Tim says. You know that. Yeah. No, it's I true. finally it's took his model. advice, and he's right. They're great. the The production is off the charts, like Sporza, Veer, yep. like Belgian uh, cyclocross level yep. of amazing, and um, super exciting. And I, those guys are really fast going downhill. I don't know if Sakin can do that. That's, some of those courses are scary. They're yeah. really frightening. No, it's true. I don't know that this course will be like that, though. I, I actually I know nothing about the Olympic mountain bike course because it's probably, like everything else, they're not built yet. Um, well, so. that's kind of the beauty for mountain bikes is, like, they don't actually have to build the course. Like, it just has to have some boulders and maybe some stairs they ride on, some rubble and some unfinished projects. Like, they can do the yeah. mountain bike race in, like, in something they've been building, but they haven't Yeah, what well, was supposed to be the velodrome, but, but you know, got canceled. <laughs> They're like, what? Is Belgium supposed to go up the hill? Oh no! Okay, we'll make it the downhill course. Yeah, okay, perfect. So who's gonna who's in, gonna win? Tim? In the mountain, but well, the the American that will beat Peter Sagan is Howard Grotz, for sure. Howard Grotz, that's a he, good old. He, he's the guy that's been doing well in some of the Red Bull mountain bike races. Never now, heard of him. Now this I think can be addressed They're more on the Crosshair podcast because um, Bill just came back from being at a couple of the World Cups with the Trek team. True. So he he definitely knows a little bit more as far as uh, the makeup of the entire event and all of that. But so you have in the um, 
the the amount of countries and what they get in this entire field. I mean, it's pretty. There are Peter Sagan is up against. Let's just a lot. let's just put it put it out there. We don't know anything about the mountain bike race or how the selections are made or anything, and it's kind of a crapshoot. But it's awesome that the world champion on the road is going to be there and okay. he's going to mix it up. And I think it's going to do pretty well. Yeah. Like, I he's think gonna, he's going to know things about embrocation that mountain bikers have never heard of. This is Sarah Groff, U.S. Olympian, and this is the Slow Ride Podcast. Oh, ooh, one oh, prem lap. Hey, did I ever tell you guys on the prem lap in which I won a Planet Bike pump and it may be the only prem of everyone? Yeah, I probably told you like 800 times. Yeah, I think I heard something about that. So we'll go to a much yeah. more important uh, prem lap, and that, of course, is the prem lap for the Slow Ride Podcast. And this week, it is once again brought to you by the Wide Angle Podium Network and the listeners. Once again, we'd like to thank all of our supporters that have gone to Wide Angle Podium Network. It's very simple. You can sign up. You can donate over the course of a month. Um, I'm a subscriber, and the reason why is I love the Crosshairs podcast and the Kids Don't Follow podcast. Um, they are fantastic. You get to choose the support of the, the shows that you like. There's five high-quality podcasts on this network. Always looking for more. Um, so we are also looking for your support. We, uh, you know, we can put out a MailChimp ad for you. We can uh, tell you that we will – select your clothes for a cheap price of $60 a month and just deliver it to you in a box with some dog treats. But, um, while you eat your, uh, <laughs> your snack crackers, but that's not how we operate. Uh-huh. We're uh, we're almost like a public radio station. We like your support and we do appreciate it, but we're not, that's all we're asking for. So if you like it, think about donating. Thanks for helping it out. Yeah. I'm a, I'm a donor as well, Tim. And, uh, you know, it, it, there's nothing wrong with consuming all this content for free, but, it really does feel a little bit better to do it without that guilt of being like, man, these guys sure do a lot for me. Like Bill went to Europe and is like getting interviews and stuff. And like Taylor and Elliot like are going to shows and researching bands and like telling me things that I don't know, you know, and, and Myerson Lyons got, man, the Rasan Bahadi interview he did live uh, last week was top notch like it was it was a great conversation and that stuff all comes via the wide angle podium and via your support you know and and like you said so we don't have to send ads to you about squarespace and all this crap that every other podcast on earth does so you know keep it free keep it loose keep it uh you know jazzy i don't know Hey guys, um, real quick, I just did a little bit of uh, research. There are 50 in the men's Olympic race. I will say Peter Sagan does not place higher than 20. Mark my words now, and there you have it. So 50 total spots, um, and we will see. Only one American, and I will put the American above Peter Sagan. I'll put a dollar on it. Only one American? Yeah. Wow. How would you like to be a Swiss racer? Only three Swiss raiders, racers get to qualify, um, and they have, what, seven of the top ten ranked riders in the world? Yeah. Man, I should probably That's... just know more about uh, uh, about this sport. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lots of different uh, types of cycling, it turns out. You know, like, I've been following road racing, like, so exclusively for so long, and it's like mountain bikes kind of a breath of fresh air over the last few years. But, uh, guys, there are even more types of bike racing than just road and mountain. Did you know this? Were you it, aware? It, uh, I, I am aware track now. Track racing, what's that? I, 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 well, there's track That's racing. That's make-believe. That's make believe. Oh, okay. That okay. that only yeah. happens sometimes in the Olympics. Um, that was that was like some turn of the century racing that they don't, yeah. nobody does that anymore. Yeah, it's like with tug of oh, war. Okay. It's a sport that just kind of died away. But um, you know, Spencer, great segue. Um, and I I will say that the uh, 
the gravel world has been turned upside down with the disqualification and the of Nick Frey, a former pro roadie who finished sixth place at the Dirty Kansas 200, who cheated. Um, and he then wrote a 4,000-word diatribe about the essence of man, the nature of man, the reason why the Dirty Kansas needs to get its act together, about how he just randomly took a water bottle on the side of the road, and it blew up the internet, and then other people started to chime in with the real story in which he had a van that was out on the course that he was depending on support um, because he'd never placed a uh, rider in the support area, and it's kind of blown up. Now, you guys have done a gravel race like this. You've done the Almanzo. Do you guys want to talk real quick for some of our listeners on how this kind of race operates with this kind of uh, you know, rules of the road, gentlemen's racing rules, and the support network? Well, generally, most of them are, you know, you pack it in, you pack it out, you put it, you carry your own supplies, you're responsible for yourself. It seems like same as Dirty Kansas. Most of them usually have like a checkpoint where you're allowed to have things, have somebody, um, and you can always seem to accept the random farmer's uh, hand up of like maybe a raw egg or uh, some maybe contaminated well water or something if you want. Yeah. But um, yeah, usually you you're you're responsible for yourself, which I think is a great part of the race. There was definitely many portions of the Almanzo where I was. Just about like to the point where I wanted to fill up my water bottles with pond water or yep. small creek bed water that mm-hmm. I know I was going to pay for later, but I was so close to just <laughs> wanting to do that because I was so I thirsty. So I, I've tried to trick myself at Almanzo, especially because there's all those low, there's like trout streams around the Almanzo and some of yeah. those races, and I think it's got to be pretty clean. It comes from a <laughs> it comes from a spring fed source and. There's no runoff. Figure out where the where the start of it. Yeah. Oh, not in southeastern Minnesota. No. No. So I would say, um, you know, the the only thing I want to clarify for some of our listeners is that the gravel racing unsupported. So the entire idea is that you take care of you. However, when you're doing these courses, there are designated check areas where you could have a support crew meet you. Usually, a parking lot of a uh, gas station or something where. You can have someone, maybe a drop bag that's been transported there for you by uh, race support in which you pay for that, or that is where you can pick up supplies. What you're not allowed to do is to have someone on the side of the road handing you a water bottle that is uh, affiliated with you. Now, if it's a farmer that just happens to be on the side of the road that's like, hey, you know, just in the nature of the day, and you're able to uh, benefit from that, then that's okay. And it's a very kind of gray area rule is what this Nick Frey um, uh, roadie wanted to go at, but really it's a black and white rule and yeah. it's it's of the matter of if it's something that you benefit of and you know the person that's helping you, then you can't do it. It's like, what do you what are you trying to argue? He was trying to argue that you know he's in it to win it and he needed to have that support when he was on the side of the road. And that gravel racing, if it wants to grow, needs to fix itself and needs to prepare for a lifetime fitness that's going to come in and buy it or something like that, alluding to Leadville. And it just became this big thing where at the end of the day, he's not telling the whole story that his personal company photographer was out on the side of the road with water bottles. What place did you say he finished? He finished in sixth place. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. Because nothing matters after first place in any gravel race at all, and they shouldn't even bother writing it down. You think they should get rid of podiums at gravel races? Yes. So, it should should be... I think think the the lore of the gravel race should just be one name written in uh, a solitary notebook somewhere that lives in a small-town library in the basement... That just gets notebook. one name to added to twine. it every year. Yeah. So, do you? The yellow notebook is a we, fabulous idea. Are we burying right? the lead here? Are yeah. we burying the lead here that uh, Ted King, former uh, professional racer, actually destroyed. won the Dirty Kids? Destroyed and it by a lot too. Um, Tim Johnson participated. I mean, this is the, the bigger thing is that this is an accomplished I mean, roadie that got six that got DQ'd. There are a lot of high quality racers that are starting to show up to events like this, and yeah. That's we'll why the rules too. You know, just well, it's a simple rule. Like that's the yeah, and it's a rule that this is you know, 
thanks for participating in gravel racing, but these are the rules that have kind of been there since, well, what, the Almanzo started it? and Right, like a road race on gravel is one thing. Hmm. A gravel race is a different thing. You know what I mean? You see how there's like a... I think well, there's a difference there. I, I think there's, there's a difference a, there's in... There's a textual difference. I feel like there's there's a difference, but I think it's a it's a good difference, but I still feel like it's a race. It's a race for as many people that want to make it a race. Well... I just think it's it's a very different... I think it results It's a very okay. different spirit, whereas right. a roadie comes at it and thinks, how can I manipulate these rules as much as I possibly can to win, which feels like the general way, like, even when well, we've been at road races in the past, like... Everyone says, don't cross the yellow line. The second you get out there, everybody starts crossing the yellow line. It just feels like yeah. the spirit of doing road races is everyone's like, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to cheat, but I mean, I might cheat a little bit, just like a teeny yeah. bit, because I hear everybody else is cheating just a little bit, which is kind yeah. of the, you know, like, I don't know. I feel like when we came up through racing, it seemed like things locally were cleaner, but we definitely heard the stories of, the moments right before we came up and about how how dirty things were and so just that little bit of always people kind of searching for the uh for the edge of what they can push i guess whereas the gravel yeah. races it feels like generally there's a little more uh a spirit of people following the rules i guess well yeah and then i guess that's kind of what i was saying is i think yeah. I think you change what the event is when you try to put official rules to it. You know what I mean? Like, there's an understanding of what a gravel race is. Like, there's people that are trying to beat other people, but there's also a ton of people just out there to ride. It's a grand fundo. That's the best part about this gravel race, though, right? Like you just said, Spencer, the people that are out there to challenge themselves to go do this 200 mile event. Like it's, and this is what I experienced when I was telling you guys at Ironman last year at Kona, that there are people that are doing this thing and it's all about the race before midnight. Like there's this whole other effort of you got the world-class athlete that's winning Ironman in eight hours. And then you have the people that are suffering just to get in before the 16 hour cutoff that are maybe like 70 years old or whatever. Um, On the dirty Kanzo, one of the things I do want to point out that Nick Frey, um, did get uh, DQ'd, and someone on the Twitter sphere was like, "What's it matter besides anyone after first place?" And at that point, Amanda Nauman, who uh, finished eleventh place, chimed in and said, "Well, I'm top ten now," and she was the top place uh, <laughs> women's racer um, who absolutely crushed souls out there, and she now finished mm-hmm. uh, in the top ten, which is uh, a, a very good result. I'll um, uh, I'll cut in here to just say. She's also a wide angle CM supporter. So. Oh, fantastic. Oh, all right. I mean, that's great. So she's not and, only fast, but she's smart. And so if you want to be smart, be like Amanda. Um, I think that that, so gravel racing is here to stay. I think it, uh, I think USA cycling has recognized that it's a great gateway drug to hopefully road for a lot of people. And then hopefully the roadies don't come in and ruin but it, what, which they tried you- to do. What do you do when the gateway drug is better than the later drugs? You know, I mean, that's the problem for USA Cycling. It is a it is a problem, and it's uh, wh- something why, that hopefully the, you'll hopefully roadie road racing starts to change a little well, bit. Maybe that would be the the goal, right? Like this kind of laid back atmosphere in which yeah. an event is run. I mean, I think this is why you're seeing the success of the Grand Fondos. This dirty Kanza is very similar to the Grand Fondo New York experience, from what I can tell. Well, I think for more on this, we should go to our senior road race reporter, Spencer Howe, uh, with a update from the road racing scene in the Northeast. Spencer? Hey, guys. Uh, oh, hey. Me. Yeah, I'm tuning in uh, live from Boston. Um, oh, okay, cool. Heard you guys need some updates on road racing? Yeah. Yeah, you're our senior reporter. Yeah. You, we, you were embedded. You experienced these? You, you were um, an embedded <laughs> reporter? Yeah, I went. I went. I actually went deep undercover into the road racing scene here in New England, guys. Uh, I don't know if uh, if uh, it's safe for me to reveal my identity yet. Uh, I was racing under a pseudonym. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's okay. Yeah, it was okay. <laughs> I was racing under. The, I was racing under the name Lukewarm. Um, <laughs> it wasn't Tom Boonin. You were just racing no. with Tom Boonin's license. No, it wasn't Tom Boonin. <laughs> So road racing, believe it or not, contrary to what we were led to believe uh, prior to this deep, uh, long uh, investigation I did, it is alive and well, guys. 
Really? Yeah. But so even even though no one's seen it or heard of it, it's, no, they've it's gone. Real. It they've gone exists. underground. Yeah, Deep but underground. the the okay. scene is there and it's thriving uh, in middle school parking lots all across the country. Road races are being staged and <laughs> and setting out on 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 miles Boring and miles loops. long roads, paved roads, guys, for miles on end. No, were there any? So I, I've heard in the past that they only turn one direction. Is that still true? That is true. They turn left. No, that's wrong. They turn they right. Turn right. <laughs> yeah, because they so, don't want to have to deal with the intersections very much. Yeah. So good. Spencer, in your embedded report that you um, experienced, and my understanding, uh, lukewarm undercover, signed up for a race. Undercover reporting. Uh, and you were you were in the field. Did you? Were you able to ride in the peloton the entire time? Were you off the front or were you in the convoy of cars? Well, I tried to experience all asset, all aspects of the race. Uh, from, from the very beginning, um, I, uh, I explored the parking lot area and the registration seemed uh, pretty straightforward. Um, I, was going to, uh, I was going to try and pee in the bushes at the middle school uh, where this to event was staging. <laughs> But as it turns out, there were there were numerous uh, porta johns there, uh, so I did not actually have to go that route, which is a, a far cry from what I've heard about yeah, road racing. Um, um, good, that's good. Um, that's why you paid your forty seven dollars, right? Fifty. <laughs> now, Spencer, I can hear you Plus loud and bike clear, but, fees. but um, I. I... I don't know if um, if that's paper I hear crumpling in the background or if you're um, taking your race number off the jersey. Uh, can you please tell us about the experience of, oh, uh, of race it's... numbers and how they could tell what place you got in the race without yeah. a timing chip? Yeah. Yeah. So, Tim, that was definitely not uh, a race number you heard crumpling because that is against the rules in road racing. You cannot crumple your number. Uh, I've been told this on multiple occasions by Twitter, Instagram, and in person. Uh, so that is that is one thing you need to know as a road racer is don't crumple your numbers. Um, as far as the racing itself, uh, yeah, the, the pack the pack was large. It was fast. It was uh, it was clean shaven. It was shiny, and uh, and it, it went uphill surprisingly fast, um, faster than this reporter was prepared to go. And uh, um, so so while I while I did experience. Some some Peloton they call it the Peloton. It's French. Um, <laughs> that's a throwback from a throwback era. Um, it, it was it was a it was a it was a, an experience like none other. You guys, there was no gravel, there was no dust. It was it was just uh, clean shaven, smooth bodies rolling in mass until 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 they disappeared in the distance in front of me. Um, when, when uh, Spencer, I'm trying to picture what's going on here. Were you able to ride on the full width of the road? Um, did you have cops? Like, how did you manage to navigate the two abreast law that just is all over the United States when you're in a rolling mass? I believe you called it. Was it the Peloton? Yes, Peloton. That's right, Tim. Um, so the uh, the laws of the land are actually set aside. Uh, by the local governances there, um, in this this there is a there is a yellow line down the middle of these paved uh, paths, really wide paths that uh, there's some metal um, beasts that, that roar past every once in a while, but uh, um, they seem to be at bay most of the time by by the local uh, law enforcement. Um, so it seemed to to go off, um, you know, in in full acknowledgement of the of the municipalities there, yeah. So after they rode off into the distance, um, did you stop and re yeah. did you stop and regather yourself when they came around a second time? Was it, um, or did you return to the um, <laughs> did you return to the uh, the parking lot to get post race interview? Like what what did you do? Yeah. So um, as they disappeared uh, over the horizon and the sun was setting, you know, uh, I, I started to feel. The, the wind, the side winds really, really hitting me. Um, that was a, an experience that I did not get within the Peloton. Um, so that, I think that might have something to do with, with the situation that is road racing. Um, 
I'm going to have to do more research into that. As, as, as you guys know, this is live breaking uh, news right now. So I'll get more details on that as, as we get uh, further along here in the process. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I continued on um, uh, because, you know, I've read, I've read the stories. Uh, I've read Tyler Hamilton's book um, about just gritting it out and really just trying to keep on uh, through, the, through the suffering. Um, so I did that for an entire lap. Uh, by myself, and then uh, before I, I tried to pull off uh, to get some post-race interviews um, for the for the leaders of the race who were surely far far up these paved roads, um, I didn't see any gravel anywhere, uh, no disc brakes, um, and uh, no evidence of motors, uh, so far as I could tell. Um, how, so what well, place did you get? Uh, I was not ranked in the results um, <laughs> due to. <laughs> Due to, due to my status, due to my right? undercover nature, yeah, uh, this, the you will not find lukewarm in those results anywhere. Uh, I don't know if I was uh, outed by uh, um, uh, the authorities or if or, or if my uh, made up uh, license number of uh, one two three four five six seven was uh, discovered to be uh, in fact fabricated. Wow. Well, thank you, Spencer. This is very um, very informative and, and very important story to follow and and to really get to the bottom of we really appreciate you uh taking the risks uh out there in the field this is the sort of things you can expect from the slow ride and the wide angle podium uh guys guys i i might have to go there's a knock at my door it could be usada i'm not sure um they're here (laughs) (laughs) wow so that was great that was good so I think that uh, Spencer, I mean, Luke Warm, doing your first uh, road race in a long time, you know, overall, did you have a good experience out there? And was it worth the $50? Uh, you no, know, it was a great, <laughs> it was a great time. Uh, great time. It would be definitely worth the $50 had, had I been in shape enough to, uh, to stay with that Peloton and get more, more in-depth reporting. But uh, yeah, road racing, alive so- and well worth supporting and worth doing every once in a while. You know, as, as we get to, um, I think, I think it's that time of the week guys that we needed to give a shout out to the several people that have been tweeting at us. Um, most importantly, we are getting all kinds of podium photos sent to us on Twitter at the slow ride pod. Continue to send them our way. Griffin Velo racing did a great job with a podium. Uh, they had a podium dog that they tweeted to us in which, um, one of the winners is being picked up by a compatriot. There's some good baggies, looks like, with some cargo pockets in that one. We have my favorite uh, tweet of the last week was the uh, a women's podium. I don't even know where it is, but they're both, they're, all three of them are jumping in the air celebrating um, one of our most popular tweets. This is the correct type of podium that we're looking for. We are not looking for podium bikes. We did have our first podium protest that we tweeted last week, and that was with the upside down bike in front of the uh, podium, which was a fantastic way to protest the uh, the movement. So end podium bikes. We're here <laughs> for you, and it's a uh, there's so much going on. Um, do you guys uh, know that we also got another review on the podcast, and it came I from uh, no. G Marco. G Marco gave us five stars. He's like like sharing a bear, coffee, or scratch. The slow riders are super fun to listen to when riding or driving. Their banter is witty, comments are pretty funny, and interviews are smart. Keep up the great work. Now, a little concerned about the reference of Scratch, so I don't know if G. Marco is an alias for Alan Lim, um, but, you know, thanks for the... Did you say the, uh, bear? You sound like you said sharing a bear. Well, I'm assuming a, you meant beer? Beer, yeah. Okay. Because <laughs> I don't share bears with anybody. <laughs> I've got, I got a stash, and you're not... Hello. <laughs> well, that, that, that's good. Uh, well, um, with that, do you guys have anything else you would like to add to the uh, podcast excitement? I thought you wanted to talk about the motor thing. Oh, well, nobody wants nobody wants yeah, to talk, no about, wants to talk about it. But I, I think, don't know anything about it, so you guys brought it as a topic. So I, so I think I that uh, it's a it's a it's a developing that. story that we will have full opinions after uh, Tilford's uh, blog post about it next week. <laughs> Um, because <laughs> that like, uh, so we're going to just defer every, every decision. Like, well, I well, mean, I'd like to, I'd yes, like to render an opinion, why. but Tilford hasn't done an opinion. So I can't do Til- Tilford's opinions yet. are usually really, really good. And he's been around forever uh, that, that I, I give him some, uh, that's... I give him some credence. I give him, I, of course, like 
Dude, he's like yeah. multi time national champion. I like listening Tim. to his opinions. That doesn't mean I'm not going to form one an uneducated p- opinion first. Um, me and little guy, I think we're on the same page here when we say you are clearly the only one of the three of us that has a titanium bike. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So because the moment you got that, Tilford's rant started making sense to you. I believe <laughs> <laughs> somehow somehow your home your homepage and your computer changed and became Tilford's blog. Yeah. Hey, so, what's uh, this? Ooh. I think the the well, big story here, little guy, just so you know, is that there was. Uh, uh, another television report, the same uh, duo that did the uh, thermo imaging, in which the they have yeah, and they have a uh, email from the UCI, um, one of the UCI uh, management committee members or someone senior level at the UCI that was working on detection of uh, motors and bikes, and he's emailing the owner CEO of a bicycle motor company called Typhoon, in which they had a engineer. That is often seen or credited as the foremost on hidden motors in bikes. He tipped him off. Yo, yeah, totally. Basically, a he tipped him off. That looks like that. So who 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 at the UCI is this? He's just like a. He's, he's like a, like he's an appointee from uh, Brian Cookson. I'm assuming like it's just a guy that's at that kind of level that he's in charge of okay. dealing with the cops. Like so, wow, he was a guy who shouldn't be tipping off. It's, it's a guy that guy shouldn't, shouldn't be, t- be tipping off motor companies. This is a developing story, and it's definitely really shady. Yeah, that Very sounds shady. pretty shady. It so. restores my faith in the UCI. Um, you know, it's really gotten pretty dull uh, since Pat McQuaid and, <laughs> and Verbergen went away, and I was starting to be worried that that we might have a legitimate governing body in place. But it's good to know that there's still some shenanigans. I think that's the the most valid opinion here. Is that we'd like to uh thank everyone that has emailed us the slow ride podcast at gmail.com we'd also like to thank the um music of bk1 at ryan sayers entertainment for the intro and outro you can also follow us on twitter at the slow ride pod um this is tim in greensboro north carolina this is matt in minneapolis minnesota (laughs) and this is lukewarm in boston massachusetts (laughs) And with that, we'd like to uh, remind you to wave at all of your fellow cyclists, including the individuals that are out there riding their gravel bikes, receiving support on the side of the road from their uh, their, their team vans. We just still so love them because they're riding still. the two bikes. Still wave at them okay. and then just blog about it later. The Slow Ride Podcast. Bikes, advice, and rumors straight from the source. TheSlowRidePodcast.com and on Twitter at TheSlowRidePod.